0: So it is something that is happening uh, in the neurons, in the
1: cells, but it is something that is not perceived by the patient. Today, learn about both the positive changes and sacrifices made when a child has a hemispherotomy, the short and long-term impacts, why on earth, despite a person still having excess electrical activity in one half of their brain, they are not experiencing epileptic seizures, Plus, we hear of research into further improving patient outcomes when they do have, have a hemispherosophy. All with expert specialist epileptologist, Georgia Ramantani.
0: I'm I'm Georgia and uh, I'm a pediatrician, pediatric neurologist, epileptologist. And um, I'm, I work in Switzerland, in Zurich, uh, at the University Children's Hospital. And uh, um, I have been working um, in epileptology and uh, in the field particularly of epilepsy surgery for Quite a few
1: years now. I have so many questions about the surgery called hemispherotomies. I imagine this is a kind of question, or these are questions that might be asked by a parent. Uh, How, why is it worth um, my child, for instance, getting this type of surgery? And if you, if you chop their brain in half, they might say that sounds pretty severe. Uh, Is it going to be like they've had a stroke? Will they be able to use both sides of their brain? this is really a good question and the question that is asked by
0: almost all parents and it it definitely depends on the situation of the child before surgery. So the usual candidate for this kind of surgery will have um, a hemiparesis. Could you explain to people what that is please? So they wouldn't be able to move uh, one uh, side of their body, they wouldn't be able to move their their arm and leg and um, some of these children actually have had a stroke when they were little um, so around birth and they already have this uh, uh, this deficit uh, but they have they have uh, grown uh, with this deficit so it's uh, it's okay for them and the deficit does not deteriorate uh, after surgery in most cases uh, but then we have uh, um, other cases where um, Let's say children or children or even adolescents with uh, some kind of progressive uh, disease like uh, Rasmussen encephalitis um they start having seizures at the age of 4 and uh, when the seizures start they have a normal motor function they're just normal children and then the seizures start and uh, with um, every seizure uh, they start uh, having an additional uh, deficit uh, and they cannot speak very well they cannot move their uh, arm and leg very well and they have this this uh, um uh, these very frequent seizures so <clears throat> Um, in some cases, we have these children without a deficit uh, that have not had a stroke, and uh, we um, offer them surgery, which is the only way to stop the seizures, and in most cases also to stop the drugs. And we know that uh, uh, they go into surgery, and they can move their arm and leg, and they have a normal vision. and on the day after surgery, they will not be able to move the arm and leg, and they will have a, uh, they will just see just part, part of the half of the visual field. And and then the parents, but also the children, if they are old enough, they have to decide for this surgery, which makes it really quite dramatic because um, it is uh, a decision to acquire a deficit, and this is the price
1: for stopping seizures. It's like an exchange, isn't it? Yes. It's like, um, this isn't as severe, but before I had my temporal lobe surgery, I was told that, well, your memory is a bit rubbish anyway, but your memory possibly will be worse afterwards. Mm -hmm. But it's a trade-off because my life expectancy was terrible and I was having all these seizures, but the seizures decreased in frequency afterwards. So it's just like that, I guess, is it? Yes, but it's much more dramatic because...
0: Um, children that have this kind of seizures have uh, um, in some cases hundreds of seizures per day and um, um, I can clearly remember a case of a girl that uh, um, was, I mean not just a case actually, many cases of uh, children that were on intensive care for several weeks until their surgery was planned and uh, carried out so they did not have a life They they just had seizures and the the surgery was just the end of this nightmare, um, but still, I mean, the price is in some cases can be quite high, and um, this speaks for the uh, devastating nature of seizures and uh, all that seizures cause. That uh, um, families, I mean, parents decide that their child will not be able. Uh, they're usually able to walk again, although they have uh, um, they have trouble at the beginning, but. Um, they decided decide to sacrifice the function of their
1: children to get them seizure-free. Because it's still, I guess, overall, one hopes an improved quality of life. Despite the sacrifice, you're not having all of those seizures. And you can, as, and I imagine you c- their cognitive function could improve as well, likely. Is that right? Yes, of course. I mean,
0: uh, I, I go back to a, to a short story, the brief story of a patient of mine who really loved uh, to go riding. Uh, horse riding Uh, so this was her this was not just a hobby it was her life but then she got uh, this very bad epilepsy and then uh, we offered her surgery and uh, she was completely normal she could walk and talk and ride and then after surgery it was clear that she would not be able to ride again so she spent the last days before surgery riding her horse and just doing all these things that she wouldn't be able to do after surgery, and then after surgery, she could not even walk for four months. She was in a wheelchair, and then um, she really managed to walk. And uh, uh, And now she's uh, um, she can, of course, walk, and she can take the bus and the tram. And uh, um, she's completely independent. She has a job, and uh, she has a life. I mean, she can go out with her friends. She can get a job. She can, um, She can participate in the community which she could not do. She could um, she could just, she could walk, but she could not participate in anything anymore. And even horseback riding, it was um, her own decision to continue doing it. But it was obviously very dangerous because she could have a seizure at any moment. And falling off
1: from that height. Gosh, <laughs> I can only imagine how dangerous that could be. Well, gosh, it makes me think of what happened, I believe, to Superman, Christopher Reeve, when he fell off a horse, didn't he? That mm-hmm. was so, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, that was just horrific. Um, You've you told me before that this is asked by many, many parents, um, and I imagine some patients too. If you're going to um, separate both um, hemispheres of my brain, say, and in one half of one hemisphere is where my seizures originate, how is chopping my brain in half? going to stop the seizures from starting in the original part of one of the hemispheres? How will, how can that stop it? So
0: what happens is that the, um, the operation the this surgery is actually isolating this part of the brain, which is generating seizures, like any kind of seizures. And it's not just about uh, mm. seizures that uh, um, will engage also the other hemisphere. It's about any kind of seizures. <clears throat> so what is happening in this kind of surgery is that uh, um, this part is isolated and it remains inside uh-huh. um, the skull <laughs> uh, but uh, it cannot communicate anymore with the rest of the brain which is well and healthy and mm. um, and uh, is taking over all kind of functions and uh, can um, um, promote cognitive functioning etc <clears throat> and, and then you can stop seizures and um, have some recovery through the other part of the brain, which is not uh, being attacked uh, all the time by seizures. But
1: what stops the seizures from actually starting in that hemisphere? What they can still start, right? The hemisphere sort of stays isolated. Yeah, we can
0: uh, think of the hemisphere as an island, no boats, right? No connection to any other part. Uh, to the mainland so everything remains on this island but there is no connection so we don't care about it so still seizures are generated in this sick part of the brain um,
1: but they don't uh, reach the rest so does that mean the patient will still have focal seizures
0: which only concern a part of the brain which has um, been disconnected but does not uh, but the seizures will never be experienced by the patient so it is something that is happening uh, um, in the neurons, in the cells, but it is something that is not perceived by the patient. That's so weird. Does not does not lead to any kind of uh, um, of uh, symptoms of seizure symptoms. Why it's very weird? Uh, because it's just in there, but completely disconnected. It's like
1: wireless. That's so strange. Because other people who might have who haven't had this surgery and they have a focal seizure, we feel it. So why is it different for, for these patients?
0: We feel it because it's, uh, because it's somehow connected to other parts of our brain. But if it were not connected, if this seizure generator was just on its own, like in outer space, then it couldn't impact anything, any other function anymore.
1: So it's like the main channel of communication from these dangerous cells. A bit like, uh, I've, I've, have you ever seen... Um, uh, documentaries about these huge, huge uh, sort of um, group of wires that go under the ocean and they 're responsible for like or partly responsible for you know communications between continents mm-hmm. i guess it 's kind of like chopping that in half right so you can 't communicate with the rest of the the world or the rest of the brain that 's amazing.
0: I also find it quite interesting because one of the um, a frequent question of uh, pediatric neurologists that uh, do EEGs on these patients is that they still, of course, see the epileptic activity Mm. over the part of the brain Mm. because, of course, it's still inside and it is still producing this activity. But since it is wireless, completely disconnected... It cannot impact
1: anything anymore. Yeah. So, um, quickly tell tell people about a couple of papers that you have on this on this topic on um, hemispherotomies. So, there's one already published and one in process. Is that right? Um, I'm actually I have been working in the last couple of months on a big um, data set
0: from several epilepsy epilepsy centers. Part of this has been published before, and uh, uh, we decided to um, to review the seizure outcomes. So, just plainly, who is becoming seizure free? And how can we predict uh, this outcome? Um, how can we tell the parents that uh, how high the chances are that their child will have no seizures anymore and can stop drugs? And, uh, and now we are, and this has been published in Epilepsia, um, last month. And, uh, and now we are looking at, uh, functional outcomes and cognitive outcomes so there are other important questions like uh, will the child uh, be able to walk after surgery will the child be able to talk and uh, another interesting part is will will the child be able to um, to retain to keep some function on their paretic hand so the hand that they are not uh, um, that doesn't have so much function. Will they be able to use it? And why is it important? For example, mm-hmm. to ride a bicycle, because you have you need both hands. The for this uh, uh, for some activities. So we are trying to f- to figure out through this uh, analysis uh, how high are the chances that uh, the patients will really profit from surgery, not just in terms of stopping seizures, but also for uh, also in terms of uh, um having um, a normal development in terms of uh, walking talking using the hand um uh, <clears throat> being uh, uh, in a better situation also cognitive wise because of course all of this is important <clears throat> for the next stage for your education uh, for uh <clears throat> um for your vocation whatever so we are just looking at all these uh, um these parameters in the big data set and, and I'm really very glad that we started on it and we have some interesting results <clears throat> and uh,
1: i think then there's definitely more to come in this direction yeah how exciting okay great well i look forward to reading that when that comes out everybody keep your eyes open thank you again for joining us today this is exciting stuff and i hope to hear more from you in the future about the latest this is brilliant thank you so much georgia thank you Thank you very much to Georgia for going into so much detail for us regarding hemispherotomies, including the brilliant examples showing that lives are much improved with this surgery. It is all fascinating and really thought-provoking stuff. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Please subscribe to Epilepsy Sparks Insights on your podcast app so that you will never miss the weekly episode. I'm Tori Robinson. Thanks for listening.